Uh, and I don't know how long we're going to be in faith. We, we ought to be in faith all the time, shouldn't we? But as far as teaching faith, we're just spending some time here because it's always good to be built up. Uh, because if you want to see God do anything miraculous and over the top, supernatural, it's all going to link back and come back to your faith. And so uh, we've just tried to encourage that and more than teaching it. And I know you all, I've groomed you now to uh, anticipate notes on the big screen or notes in your hand. And uh, I'm not going to have anything come on the big screen and there'll be no notes in your hand. And I know I've, I've, I've conditioned you now over the years to anticipate that. But as I mentioned to you last Wednesday night, the scripture says that faith cometh by how? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith doesn't come by your notes, although they can be helpful, or the PowerPoint, and that can be helpful as well. But this way, number one is hopefully you'll be diligent to hear, and, and then you'll take notes not just on what I wrote down or you fill in the blank on what I thought might be important or for you to catch your attention, but you can begin to write down maybe those things that God's speaking to you because those may be the gaps in your understanding. Those areas may be where maybe the dots aren't getting connected or it's not linking up and, and you'll begin to see God do greater and mightier things even in your life as you begin to walk this out in faith. And I've got numerous uh, verses that I want to speak to you about uh, tonight. We'll see if we get to them all, but I want to zero in and again, every week we'll overlap on what we said the week before and probably preview what we'll mention next week. But tonight I want to zero in a little bit more on confidence again. Confidence. Where's your confidence? And if you have your Bibles and you're in Hebrews, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Um, you know, there's one of the greatest misconceptions, I think, is this. It, it was a misconception in my life for numerous years. And... This, the mis misconception goes something like this. As long as I believe right, God will move. As long as I believe right, God will move. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? <clears throat> but that's, that's not totally true. Partially, yes. Totally, no. Uh, James tells us in James 2, I believe, verse 19... James says that the devils believe and they tremble. Now, just because a devil believes, and I'll say this again, there's probably no more orthodox believer, if I can use that term, than Satan himself. The devils believe. They believe God exists. Satan himself was in the very presence of God. They understand some of the mysteries, I believe they may understand even better than you and I, some of the mysteries of God. Uh, being in the spirit realm, his, uh, his demonic forces were once angels who worshipped and were in the presence of God as well. So the devils believe, but yet there's nothing, nothing godly or nothing supernaturally from God that will take place in their life. So I'm going to go back to the original misconception. Just because you believe what is right does not necessitate God moving in your life. There are many, many people who believe right. You have dear friends. They may go to other churches. They may go somewhere, you know, they could go to some mainline denominational church. They could go to a, a very orthodox, traditional church. 
And they, they believe the right stuff. You guys can have a conversation. And as you have a conversation with each other, you'll go down the list of what you believe. Do you believe Jesus died for you? And they'll say, oh, yes. Do you believe that he's the only way? Oh, yes. Do you believe that he was risen from the dead in bodily form? Oh, yes. And you'll go down through the list. Do you believe that the Bible is, is an infallible record, the inerrant word of God? Do you believe that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And you'll go down the list and you will believe exactly the same on every point and, and perhaps neither one of you ever see God moving much in your life. Now, hopefully that's not the case for you, but you know people, certainly in your scope of friendships, that believe it all right, but they do not see what God is up to. Well, the key is, is, is that faith is linked to certain things. Now, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, we want to go back there, and um, I want to be sure I'm quoting this right. I don't think I quoted it exactly right last week, so I want to be sure I quote it accurately and rightly tonight for, for you. It says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word substance literally means the realization or the deed. Okay? Now faith is the realization of things hoped for. You remember, biblical hope is expectation. It's that which you expect to come. You aren't, it's not wishful thinking. It's not kind of like, remember what I said in a lesson a couple weeks ago. It's not just, well, I kind of hope it happens, but you aren't really sure. It's a certainty. Biblical hope is certainty. It's a certain expectation. And faith, it begins with by saying, is the deed or the realization. In other words, inside of your heart, you've got the deed to it. You, you, you know that you know that you know. You're with me. Now let's go to that next half. It says, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, and this is where we can insert the word confidence, the confidence of things not seen. Now, most of us, when we see something, and if we see it, we're confident in it because our natural eyes have seen it. But the key to faith is, is that what you cannot see with the natural eyes, you must have confidence in. And until confidence is developed, and until confidence becomes a reality in your life, I do not believe you'll ever see uh, great, miraculous things take place in your life. Now, in the previous chapter, Hebrews chapter 10, it says here in verse 35, it's the great confidence passages here. There's a couple of verses here that are great and really, really uh, tie into what he says then in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It all fits together. Hebrews 10.35. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Now, I'm going to stop there because that says a couple things to me there. It says, number one is, is that confidence can be eroded, or in other words, it can leave you to where you're, you're no longer confident. If you're not confident, you are tentative or you are unsure. So, we, so your confidence isn't automatic. It, it can become unsure. And it says here, it says, therefore, do not cast away. In other words, he's talking to people. He's talking to us. And he's saying, you, you have the choice as to whether or not you're going to keep or throw away your confidence. Now, it's like I got good news and I got bad news. <laughs> the good news is you get to choose whether you keep your confidence or not. All right? Don't throw away your confidence. He says, which has a great reward. Now, walking with God has its, certainly its challenges. He certainly has, at times, asked for sacrifice. There are all sorts of things that he calls us to that 
in the natural human flesh are not always easy to respond to. You know, when he says, drop your nets and follow me. When he asks you to do something out of your comfort zone, these moments are not easy. When he asks you to, to, to give, when he asks you to go, when he, when he asks you to do something that's just out of the realm of what's comfortable for you to do, which he will do, those moments are not easy for a human being to do. And so what God says to us is, he says that if you will do these things or you will do these acts, he says, along with your confidence, there will come a great reward. So there are benefits to the kingdom. And they are linked to your confidence. Verse 36, for you have need of endurance. Endurance means steadfastness, patience, uh, uh, perseverance. You have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So confidence. Confidence is going to be an important aspect of your faith. To have confidence in something, you have to yield to it. Um, you know, we mentioned the other week about sitting in a chair and about trusting that it will hold you up. Um, and, and it was mentioned to me, I think Wally mentioned it to me later. He said that he'd heard the illustration that it was almost like a reclining chair where it's not just sitting in it, but it's resting in it. I thought that was good too. That it's not just a matter of knowing that this chair will hold me up, but it's sitting in the chair and then resting in that chair, knowing the whole time it's holding you up. And so when you do that, you have, you have a confidence. And all of us came in tonight, and I just want to remind you of this again. All of us come in tonight, and we came in for church. We sat down. You sat down in your seat fearlessly, didn't you? Didn't you just drop your purse and your Bible carrier there, and you sat down? and you Now, you didn't maybe process it all, but with great confidence, you sat down. And now, is it not true if the chair would have broke... That would have startled you. In other words, that would not have been your expectation. Why? Because you're confident in that chair, even though that chair is corroding and falling away. In fact, I go here through these chairs from time to time, and there are little nuts and bolts that I have to replace. You don't know how close some of you have been to an awakening that may not have been spiritual. But but, you, but it would have surprised you because you would not have had that expect. Your full expectation is when I sit on the chair, it's going to hold me up. And you come in and you do that fearlessly. Do you understand that that's confidence in the natural? But the scripture tells us that we must have confidence in that which is not seen. So you in like manner must fearlessly believe and have confidence now, I know you believe that Jesus, isn't it true? All of us here believe Jesus can meet any need, right? I mean, we all believe that. Now, the question is, how do you fearlessly have confidence in that? Because you believe the right thing, but believing the right thing hasn't necessarily produced uh, the expected result. I want to give you this one word, uh, and you can just write it down. And just keep it in front of you. And this is the word. Act. A-C-T. Act. In the book of James, I'm going to come back. Keep your finger in Hebrews chapter 11. In the book of James, uh, there's a passage here that caused great consternation in, um, in the reformation of Luther because he thought... He thought James was teaching righteousness by works. 
But we're going to switch out the word here for just a minute, and I think it will bring greater understanding and revelation to you if you listen to me carefully. In James 2, 17, it says this. James 2, 17, it says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now that almost sounds blasphemous if we're Protestant and we understand that you can't work your way into kingdom things, that things operate according to grace and and, and we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we all know those passages. But listen to this. If I just, if, if I switch a word out, I think it'll help you understand. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have action, acts, it's dead. Someone will say, you have faith and I have action. Show me your faith without your action, and I will show you my faith by my action. And then, verse 19, I've already mentioned to you, is what distinguishes us from the devils. It says, you believe that there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe, and they tremble. What's the difference between a devil and a disciple? The difference between a devil and a disciple is not their theology. The difference is one trusts and acts on what God has said. The other may believe the right stuff, but it will not act, and it will not move on what is said here. Confidence is not confidence until you act on what it is you have confidence in. I hope you're writing this down. This is really good. I ought to be taking notes on myself. I'll have to get the tape because I'm not, I didn't write all this down. Confidence is not really confidence until you act on what it is you say you have confidence in. It's all theory. You've heard me say this before. It's all theory until it's implemented. The minute it's implemented is the moment faith, your faith is released for God to move. Now, it works that way from salvation on through your Christian life. The moment you were saved was not because it wasn't for some of us. We didn't sit there for years and believe the right stuff. It's true. Even for me, I believed the right stuff probably for several years. I knew enough to know Jesus went to the cross. He died. He rose again. I needed to have Jesus in my life in order to be saved. I understood everything. I believed probably the right stuff. But that wasn't translated into being born again, into transformation, until the day came for me, I had to act on that. Now, for me, what was it? I had to act on the fact that Jesus said that if you would declare me before men, I would declare you before the Father. He said in his word that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, as well as believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So for me, I had to literally get up from where I was. I had to take a step in front of people. I had to make that confession out loud to others' ears. And by that action, I demonstrated my faith. That action or that prayer, that prayer in and of itself didn't save me, but my faith linked up with my confidence. There was an action that took place, and in that action, spiritual reality happened. Now, this is really, really important because, because God wants to do big things in our life, but, but unfortunately, we always wait until we find perfect scenarios before we'll do or move in God. And do you realize that one of the best moments to see a miracle is when your circumstance is saying everything opposite of what 
perhaps God is asking of you to do. Why, why would God move in those kind of situations? It's because you literally have to doubt what you see to believe what you don't see. Now, doesn't that make sense now? If you have a regenerated mind, that makes sense. Now, to the carnal mind, what we say is, if I can see it, this is what Thomas said. Thomas said, if you'll show me the nail prints, if you'll show me where the spear went into his side, Thomas said, then, then I'll believe. You know, show it to me. Show it to me, and I'll believe it. But that's not how the kingdom works. The kingdom says you believe it, you act on it, and then God will show you. That's how the kingdom works. And, and that's what confidence is all about. Now, let me show you in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. Is it okay if we just do Bible study on Wednesdays for a while? Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. Neat little story here um, about a healing. Uh, we'll start Mark 2, verse 3. It says, Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near Jesus because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. Most of you know the story. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. So these, these friends got this guy that was paralyzed up on top of a roof. They lower him down on rope in order to get to Jesus, in order for him to be healed, for the master to pray for him. But in verse 5, this is what's interesting. And you need to underline this. It says these words. It says, when Jesus saw their faith. Isn't that cool? Faith is something you can see. Faith is something you can see. You may not like this, but, but you can ultimately evaluate whether or not you're walking in faith. All you have to do is watch what people do. You can see by people's acts what it is they're believing. And when he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, your son, your, son, your sins are forgiven you. And, uh, and then, of course, he gets challenged on all these things. But the bottom line is the paralytic on the pallet ends up getting healed. So wherever you place your confidence... There will be a corresponding action that will unveil what it is you truly have faith in. Faith is an outward demonstration of what you really believe. In other words, we can, we can figure out your beliefs, your real true belief system. We can figure it out by just watching for a while. We will ultimately figure that out. Ooh, can you say, oh me, or amen? I don't know. Now, back to Hebrews chapter 11. Now, when you read Hebrews 11, this is going to make sense to you. Because in Hebrews 11, when he begins to go through all of these people, what we call the hall of faith, listen to what he begins to do. And I'm not going to read all of these to you. It would take forever. But let me just read a couple of them. Hebrews 11, verses 7 and 8. It says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So what did Noah have to do in order to demonstrate faith? He went out and he built an ark. And again, you know the story. Imagine building an ark, people asking what you're doing because they would probably recognize that it was a boat or something like that. They probably had enough understanding. But when he began to say, it's going to rain and we're going to need a boat. And it had never rained 
on the earth yet. Now think about that. You're looking at everybody saying, Brenda, it's going to rain. And Brenda looks at me and goes, what's rain? Well, it's this water when it falls from the sky. <laughs> yeah, sure, Noah. But faith, Noah couldn't start building, could he, when the rain started falling? It wouldn't have been, and it wouldn't have been faith at that moment. All right. So we're already starting to see that by faith, there's an action. Verse eight, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Faith, faith brought him to the place that he acted, not seeing the whole picture. Uh, verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Again, you know the story that the Lord asked uh, Abraham to take Isaac up the mountain. And even Isaac said, what are we going to do? And Abraham says, we're going to sacrifice. And the boy says, where's the ram? And, and Abraham says, God will supply. Well, he didn't. There was, it wasn't like they, they picked one out of the flock right then and took him on up the mountain and we're going to, we, we've worked this thing out. We got more than a, we've got more than enough rams here. So we'll just go ahead and carry one ram up there and this will make a great illustration. That's not how this story worked. He went up having to trust God. And, and the reason I tell you this is because for many of us, we're waiting for the perfect scenario. We're waiting till all our ducks are in a row, till we have every uh, uh, T crossed, and sentence dotted with a period and every I dotted. And we're waiting for everything to be in order. And then we'll say, oh, it, it, you know, look at all of this. Must be God. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Sometimes everything is exactly the opposite. And somehow or another, we pick this up through the years with regards to faith. That everything has to be in perfect order for it to be God before God would ask me to move. That's just not true. It's not true. Faith involves an action. But understand, it's not because, because you see, when we wait for everything to be in order, what we're actually saying in our heart is, because everything's in order, I'm confident to move. Right? Because everything's in order. But confidence isn't what you see. Confidence is in what you have yet to see what God has said. And until you choose to act on what you believe, little supernatural assistance will happen. In verse 24 of this same chapter, it says, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. And so by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, but he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Can you imagine? Believing the exact opposite of what appears uh, to be in front of you. He had all sorts of favor with kings and pharaohs, but yet by faith he had confidence in what God was speaking to him. Uh, verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. How did the walls fall down? They had to march Remember, six times silent, one time they shouted their brains out, then the walls came down. Until that action took place, see, they didn't shout after the walls came down. <laughs> We'd all be shouting then, wouldn't we? They shouted before the walls came down. All right? So faith, faith uh, 
is confidence and action in what you have confidence in. In John chapter 2, those first verses, it's Jesus' first miracle. It's when he turned water into wine in Cana of Galilee. And you know the story. It was a wedding party. Uh, they ran they ran out of uh, drink for all of the guests. Uh, they're upset. It, it appears as if mom's upset or Mary's upset. And it says here that she ran up to him uh, telling him of the problem. And in verse 4 of John 2, it says, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour's not yet come. But his mother said to the servants, listen, whatever he says to you, what? Say it again. Whatever he says to you, and until they did it, there was no miracle. Okay, you're following me. There's an action. Okay, let's make some application. God is going to ask of you a faith act in your life. I, I, more than one. More than one time. I mean, I can tell you in my life, there have been, there have been great occasions where he, he wanted to move in great ways. And, you know, great ways in, entail a great act, usually. And I have found, because the Bible tells me that all of us move from faith to faith, the Scripture says, we move from faith to faith, this is what I believe that means. I believe it means that there are times in our life where we have opportunities with minimal risk to trust and believe God. And if we'll, at times of minimal risk, begin to have confidence in what he said, and that we know what he said to us to do, and we'll take those acts, what that does is that builds our faith, and it gets some experience under our belts, so when the moment comes when we need the over-the-top, out-of-the-box, incredible, supernatural, miraculous, this one's for the record books miracle, we aren't starting at ground zero. Can, can, you, can you imagine having to start at ground zero and all of a sudden have to walk into a room where someone's dying and have faith to believe that God can change that situation? Now, can he change that situation? Yes. Are we still asked to walk in faith? Yes. But can I suggest to you that if you have built up weeks and months and years of a faith walk, that when you get to these incredible, difficult, challenging crossroads, you, you aren't going to look like a deer in headlights. You're going to be prepared to take that action. All right? That's why I've, I've looked at people, if you're going to, the reason, this is, I'm just telling you some things I personally have come to the conclusion. The reason, the reason God starts us out with tithing, let's say, just using our money, because money is such a big part of our life. The reason he starts us there is because he knows that if we can just believe, if we can believe just in his simple command, it's a command. It has nothing more to do than this is a command and we're obeying God. If I can believe him in this command, then there may be a moment when he asked me something over the top, and at that moment, because I've trusted him with years in this area, I can release even more to him with regards to this. Okay? So, so faith has a corresponding action. It's not acting on what you wish or what you want. It's acting on what God has said. All right? And that's why many, many people 
when they go out and they lay, lay their hands on boats and their, their Bentleys and their Mercedes and it doesn't come to pass. God hasn't called you to go ride around in a Mercedes. Now, I'm not against Mercedes, and if you can afford it, go get you one. I've got nothing against that. If you can get you a Bentley, go get you one. I think you ought to go get yourself a Chevy and send the rest to the mission field. That's what I think, because all we need is four tires and an engine to get us from here to there. See, that's kind of where I'm at. Now, I'm, not against, I'm not against nice things. Recently, I've been saying, Lord, I sure could use a pool. I mean, you live in Charleston, it's nice to have a pool. But then I thought, well, if you aren't going to give me a pool, Lord, give me friends with pools. And I think he's answering that one. But you understand, it's not what we want, it's what he's said. And, and so faith with your confidence is an anointing connector. And if you begin to realize, you see, that's why, why do I read God's word? Why do I read this word? It's because this book tells me what I can do. This book tells me what I have. This book tells me what God's promise is to me. This book tells me what my inheritance is. This book tells me everything I need to know to live abundantly. And it will remain hidden to me if I don't hear what it has to say. Why do, why do I don't have to read so much of the Bible? It's not that you have to, it's that you get to. It's like reading a legal document of somebody, some rich uncle who died and left you an inheritance and he gave you about 3,000 pages of the last will and testament and the uncle simply says to you, I'm going to make you scour those 3,000 pages with print that isn't any bigger than that and when you find it, you can have it. But until you find it, it ain't yours. We want someone else to read it for us and, and just tell me, tell me, well, tell me, you just tell me what it says. No, no, I'm reading, I'm reading it so I can find out what's in there for me. I'm happy to declare the truth of God to you, but I honestly believe that we've got to, we've got to begin to see what's in there and, and, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to be reading along and, and, and for some of you, you've just read, you've read the Bible maybe numerous times all the way through. So this isn't about you not knowing this, but you're going to be reading it again. And then all of a sudden you're going to, there's going to be a verse that just like leaps from the pages at you. You're going to say, I've read that verse a hundred times, but this 101st time it's speaking to me in a different way. That's God's voice. He's talking to you and he's saying something with regards to have your confidence in this verse. Believe that this is, this is more real than what it is you're facing. And if, listen, and if you will act on that confidence, whatever it may be, you will see me move. That's how miraculous things take place in our life. I'm going to give you just a couple quick points and I'm done. Write these, write these down. These are just bullet points I wrote down here. If you never act on what you hear, faith will never be activated. If you never act on what you hear, faith will never be activated. It happens all sorts of ways. Sometimes, you know, I've, I've listened to messages and I've acted on those messages. I've, uh, I've acted in it in financial areas. I've acted on them in ministry areas. I've acted on them in all sorts of ways. 
But, he, but you can be blessed by a message, but if you never act on it. For instance, tonight you can go out of here and you can say, man, that's a good word, Pastor. That encouraged me. I need to remember that. And if that's all it does to you, it has done you no good. But if something begins to leap in you where you begin to say to yourself or you begin to say to your spouse or whoever it is saying, you know, I think God's maybe talking to me about acting on this to, to activate my faith then that's where we'll be in the miracle zone. So if you never act on what you hear, faith will never be activated. Next, don't disqualify yourself from receiving a promise of God by acting in a manner that is contrary to what you have heard from Him. Everybody in this room has a promise. Everybody in this room has a blessing. God wants to do incredible things in your life. You, you need to know that. God is no respecter of persons. What he's done in my life and other people's lives, he will do for you. Is it not true, Miss Louise, that, that God spared you and worked in your life with regards to cancer and healing? Is that not true? God, you too. Isn't that true? God worked in that, isn't it? And, and not that we don't love you and think that you're special, but, but, you're, but God is no respecter of persons, see? And what he's done for you, he'll do for anyone. Do not disqualify yourself from receiving a promise by acting in a manner that is contrary to what you have heard from him. And I'll just give you, I mean, the, the easiest way that happens is by saying, well, not me. It, it won't, it, that, that doesn't work for me. It may work for you, pastor, because God loves pastors more than he just loves people. That's wrong. I used to, I used to sit and have sat and still continue to sit in meetings and listen to people share things, and, and for a split second, there's this feeling of, well, that's them. That's not, it's just not me. It's just not how it's been working in my life. I rebuke that. Because if you stand up and leave that moment, and you begin to act in a way contrary to what you just heard, then you disqualify yourself from a miracle. Now, God does sovereign things, and aren't you glad he's merciful, and out of his mercy, he'll bless his people. But you know what? I'm glad God's merciful, but he wants to move on those who walk by faith. Most of our blessings come by his mercy. I challenge you to see his blessings come because of your faith, not just his mercy. Next, begin to evaluate your actions and see if you can trace them back to either God's word or a fear. Take a moment to be introspective. Evaluate the words that come out of your mouth, the actions that you're doing, and ask yourself, do you do what you do because you're moving in fear, or do you do what you do because you're moving in faith? Evaluate that. And, and since you're evaluating you, be ruthless. Ruthless. Don't cut yourself any slack. Don't say, well, you know, but I have an excuse. Oh, stop that. Just, it's just you evaluating you. Be ruthless. Ask yourself, am I moving because of fear or am I moving because I'm confident in what God has said? And then write this last bullet point down. When you decide to act by faith, then do so with confidence and not with timidity. the old pool illustration. When you decide this is what God has asked of you, 
this is what he's put before you. This is the faith act that he's calling you to. Now, you'll hear testimonies from others, and, and, and there may be some testimonies that resonate with you, and those will be the testimonies you'll hear from others that will bolster your faith. But most of our faith acts are highly individualized things. You know, what God asks of us, he may not ask of anyone else, and so just get used to it. I can't tell you how many times I've been before the Lord and I've said, Lord, why is it that you're, you don't, you know, there's, there's billions of other people out here you can work on. There's billions of other people out here that you can ask something of. You don't always have to be, you know, moving on me. I, you know, take a day off from me. But, but here's the deal. If you want God to move in your life, he's going to keep working on you. And when you decide to do it, it you know, You've heard me tell this illustration before. I guess I'm old enough. I'm telling them over and over. If it's a cold pool, you know a cold pool? You know, it's like it's... And it's almost and it's almost like you're torturing yourself. And you see me do all this. It's just like a torture. And you know how you go in and you're like this, and it's about up to here. You go a little further, it's up to here, and you're going... And then you go in a little further, and it's up to here, and you're going, and you just tortured yourself. You, 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 and can you see that's that's getting into the pool timidly when you know that God has called you to dive in whatever pool it is. Just dive. Just get it over with and dive. Just believe Him fearlessly. If you got to get counsel, get your counsel. If you got to pray, pray over it. If you if you if you got to get got to get the you know a, a confirming word, get your confirming word. But once you got it, then dive into it. Don't torture yourself. There are people torturing themselves for decades. I mean, literally, they're getting into pools over a decade because they just won't jump in. But I, but I encourage you that that. Miracles happen when we just fearlessly believe God and obey God. Now, I don't want you to do anything crazy. I don't want you to sign up for some nutcake course and, and look foolish. But you will never see the miraculous until you risk being foolish. Are you following me? I mean, there's, there's a thin line between being faith-filled and being foolish. And sometimes they can look to the natural eye exactly the same. Sure. I'm sure Noah building on an ark looked real foolish. Of course, when that rain started coming, he looked real smart. You got to remember, it's not, it's, not, it's not how it is in the beginning. It's how it shakes out at the end. All right? Confidence. Get your confidence. Stand with me right now. I'm going to pray right now before we go that confidence begins to well back up in you.